Hey everybody, welcome back to Straight Out Left. It's been kind of silent around the studio recently, but that doesn't mean it's been quiet in the baseball world. There's a lot to talk about, especially as the playoff picture starts to get a little clearer, as well as a team that, while they may not make it to October, has been really good recently and has a starting pitcher that is pursuing history. We're going to talk about all that tonight, so stick around. It's going to be a good one. Alright, happy Tuesday evening. Last time I talked to y'all, it was still summer. It was the dog days of August, now suddenly Labor Day is coming gone. Um, I guess I should probably explain what's been going on. Why I haven't been uh, uh, uploading, I haven't uploaded in a solid three weeks. I guess mainly you can just chalk it up to, I started a new job and had some other uh, personal things going on in life that just nothing's wrong it was just a lot of a lot to deal with and uh there's a lot of shuffling and i was just really busy with a lot of things things that just needed more priority than talking about baseball i i i there were nights going by where i wasn't even able to like pay attention at all like i couldn't even even think to like look up the scores because i was so busy so yeah this isn't going to turn to a groveling youtuber apology i guess i could conveniently blame it on also um the fact that I was traveling for all of Labor Day weekend, um, I had uh, my friend was getting married down in Maryland, and I had I was um, one of his groomsmen, so I was out there for that whole weekend. So that explains why you know you would have thought, oh, he had all this time with his three day weekend, he could have put something out there. And you know, I'm sorry, I get it. You know, things like marriage and. Uh, love and romance that's not as important as talking about baseball in uh in my parents basement into a into a usb mic so i do apologize for not having my priorities straight i'll try to do better next time guys don't worry anyway all joking aside um yeah i'm i'm sorry i wish i could have put out a few episodes during the past few weeks but just it just didn't work out i was just really really strung out and busy with everything I had going on. But now that I've kind of settled into a little bit more of a routine, I think we'll be able to get, kind of get back into it, which is good because we've got only about less than a month of the regular season left, and then it's onto the playoffs. And man, the playoffs are going to be exciting this year. I'm still, I don't know about you guys, but I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around the new the new format, the three wildcard teams and the, the best of three series all at the uh, top seeds home field. It's going to be new and I'm not going to just immediately bash it um, and say, bring it, bring it back to just uh, uh, an ALCS and a, and a world series, but I'll, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch and see how it plays out. I will say if a wildcard team has an elite starting rotation, like the Mariners, as we're going to get to more in more detail in a second, watch out. Cause they can, clean they can clean you out right there and just two games you're done throw out um castillo and gilbert or gonzalez and ray like they have so many options Anyway, i'm kind of blowing my segment but yeah um that's uh that's gonna be interesting also let's see here watching uh got a couple games on my computer going uh on lb tv i've got cleveland uh kansas city cleveland's up three to one not good for the twins the twins got postponed tonight because it's raining in New York. And then Toronto is still up on Baltimore 6-4, to four, I believe. No, it's 6-5 to five now, actually. No, Baltimore's up on Toronto 6-5. to five. My bad. 
<clears throat> who would have thought that that series between those two teams would be a consequential playoff implication series for both teams? I mean, that's just crazy. I can't, still cannot get around how Baltimore has been able to do what they've done. Well, I mean, you can if you look at the numbers, but still, where did all this come from? It's incredible. And the fact that they've only seemed to have gotten better since trading away trade Mancini and Jorge Lopez. You know, we were expecting at the end of July, okay, the fairy tale run's going to come to an end and it's going to, okay, well, that was fun. And the last two months are going to be rough. But then, you know, great step. But no, they're still fighting. And uh, Gunnar Henderson is coming up and hitting hitting bombs and showing off his beautiful mane. And Kyle Stowers, I was watching that live, his first home run off of Hendricks after Engel dropped that foul ball. That sums up perfectly the Orioles and the White Sox seasons. The Orioles with their never-say-die mentality and their young kids contributing, and the White Sox, who should be one of the best teams in the American League and are super close to it, but then just stupid mistakes get in the way. No seriousness, no, I... Though I did see that Tony LaRusso is having some health issues, so he had to step away. So hopefully he's okay, and we all, we all wish him the best. Even if he, you can, I can say that maybe he's kind of uh, past his prime as a manager, but still, you don't want to see that for anyone. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully a speedy recovery to Tony LaRusso. But anyway, um, first though, instead of talking about all the teams that everyone else is talking about, I want to talk about a team that. While they're not going to make the playoffs, barring a miracle here, they have quietly become very good over the past, basically, calendar month. Over the past 28 games, they are 18 and 10. Um, they are 65 and 69 on the year after losing 110 games last year. So they have already bested their previous season win total by 13, and they'll probably you're probably looking at the end of the year of at least a 20 win increase, maybe even 25. And of course I'm talking about the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks have shot past the Rockies and are solidly in fourth place in the national league and are chasing San Francisco for third place. Now there's really not much of a chance they're going to catch San Diego for second place in a wild card berth, barring uh, them basically winning out the rest of their games, which I mean could happen. We, We've seen plenty of crazy things in baseball before, but still, it's nice to see them uh, do so well after such a terrible year. Tori Lavolo has basically saved his job, and the rebuild and reconstruction is back on track. So yeah, it's been a they've been a fun team to watch. They've got it done mostly through their offense. They have the third most runs scored in the in the whole league in that time, and their pitching has been about average. Their ERA is 18th in MLB over the span. So it's been mostly their, um, their hitting. So, but however, I do want to highlight that one part of their pitching has been amazing. And that's the rotation or at least three guys in the rotation have been. So since August 7th, which is when they started this 18 and 10 run, the Diamondbacks have been getting uh, contributions from Merrill Kelly, who is a 2.78 ERA over five starts. Zach Davies, who's a 2.32 ERA over six starts, both incredibly solid, but they've got nothing on Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen just set the other night, or he tied a major league record, excuse me, um, shared by Zach Grinke, Oral Hershiser, and Don Drysdale. So pretty elite company right there. All Dodgers pitchers, coincidentally, um, of throwing six straight shutout starts. Did not allow run any of his past six starts. 
And if you add that all up, that's 41 and a third innings of scoreless ball from Zach Gallen. The man has been absolutely untouchable in this span. It literally coincides with their past uh, calendar month, his six starts of scoreless ball. 0.58 whip. That's incredible. 10 strikeouts per nine. I mean, I can't get over it. 0.58 whip for a starter. I mean, for a reliever, that'd be elite. For a starter, that's just unheard of. 1.22 bang average against. 137 slugging against. This man has only allowed two double, two extra base hits in that whole span of 41 in the third innings. He's faced 140 batters. What you think about the minimum for that 41 in the third is quick maths here, 124. He's only faced 16 over the minimum over six starts. He's been absolutely insane. And you know, with Zach Gallen, he started off really hot at the beginning of the year. And um, through his first seven starts, he had a 1.14 ERA. But then the middle of the season was not kind to him. His ERA through uh, late May, all of June, early July, over that span of uh, nine starts was 5.56. No, sorry, 5.66. So yeah, it was kind of like, okay, great start to the year for Zach Gallon. He's kind of coming back down to earth. I mean, he wasn't going to be an elite ace, was he? But then, man, uh, starting in uh, mid-July, he's turned it back on again. So if you include a few solid starts before the scoreless streak started, over his past 10 starts, Zach Gallon is an area of 0.82, over 65 and two-thirds innings, and he's striking out over a batter per inning. Um, I mean, it's just insane. He, uh, as I'm, did I mention this already? I don't know if I did, but he just needs to pitch one more scoreless inning, and he'll pass Brandon Webb for the most consecutive scoreless innings in Diamondbacks history. And to be fair, Zach Gallon might turn to the first real bona fide ace the Diamondbacks have had since Brandon Webb. I mean, the Diamondbacks have had some good starters come through, like Ian Kennedy and uh, Patrick Corbin and Zach Grinke. Um, although Zach Grinke was not nearly as good with the Diamondbacks as he was with the Dodgers and the Royals. But Gallon here could turn into, you know, their a true bona fide ace here. He showed flashes of that, flashes of that in the short 2020 season last year was a bit of a regression. But man, this year he has just been. For them, he's had some very hot streaks and some very cold streaks, but overall adds up to a very nice 2.42 ERA on the season. And man, I'm just looking here at his pitching line over these six games. The best one, I think, was his game against the Giants. Seven and a third innings, four hits, no runs, no walks, 12 strikeouts. 82 game score. It's easily his best. But yeah, he's just been on our level. So those three starters have really carried the Diamondbacks pitching staff. The bullpen has not been anything to write home about. But uh, as I mentioned, their ERA ranking in all of baseball is uh, 18th at 4.11. So, you know, s- solid average pitching when you round it all out. But then if you look at the hitting, they have the third most runs in the and will be in the span. They have um, the 14th most home runs. So not a lot of power, but a lot of doubles. They have the third most doubles in the span, too. So that's uh, that's kind of something to highlight here. Um, they're getting it done, not necessarily with a ton of home runs, but lots of extra base hits, lots of clutch hitting, and just contributions from the whole lineup. Especially uh, Christian Walker's had a very good uh, past few games over um, the span. He's hitting 356 with six home runs and 18 RBIs, as well as seven doubles. Um, 
He leads the team in RBIs and home runs. In No, sorry, he leads the team in home runs. RBIs goes to Jake McCarthy, who has four home runs, 23 RBIs, and a 341 batting average. Stone Garrett has really stepped up. He's hitting 424. Kind of funny enough, they're doing this without Cattell Marte. Cattell Marte only has four doubles, eight RBIs, no homers, and a 184 batting average in the span. Uh, the debut of Corbin Carroll was pretty exciting. Uh, he hasn't been exactly amazing, but he's been getting it done when it counts. He has six RBIs over six games in this span. Josh Rojas has, is hitting 300. Mayo Rivera's five home runs. So, yeah, they're just, uh, everyone's kind of getting it done. Rivera also has six doubles. Um, so, yeah, they're um, all around the lineup is really hitting, which was kind of the knock on the Diamondbacks earlier this year is that they couldn't hit. So now they're showing that, hey, when they can hit and pitch, they can actually be a really good team. I mean, if you spread out this, um, pace over 162 games that's a 100 win team right there and you know we'll have to see how this continues to develop how the diamondbacks do but for now they're playing they can definitely play the role of spoiler in the national league they can screw up a team like a san diego or milwaukee or philadelphia that's trying to fight for a playoff spot or even like a, a st louis or a new york or i don't know the dodgers are pretty untouchable but a team that's trying to like get better seating or in Atlanta or something, you know, they could really, uh, they could really cause some damage. So yeah, um, even I just, you know, in my weird way, I wanted to talk about the Diamondbacks because they, um, you know, they're they're not going to get a lot of attention at this point because even though they've been hot, they're not going to make the playoffs, so they're really not in the conversation. But yeah, just wanted to give them a little love and especially highlight. Don't let it go unnoticed how great Zach Gallon's been. I mean. You know, six scoreless starts. You don't know how much longer he's going to keep it going. But if he could do one more, that'd be the most in LB history. Uh, seven consecutive scoreless starts, which would be pretty incredible. And who knows if he'll catch Oral Hershiser. He's got to have at least two more scoreless starts to do that. But you never know. But, yeah, props to him for having such a great year. All right. So, but, yeah, that'll do it for the Diamondbacks segment. I, uh... Just kind of looking here at how the standings have been shaking out. Uh, MLB.com has finally put out their elimination number on their standings page so you can see uh, the mathematical chances of every team making it, basically. So if you don't know how elimination numbers work, it's the combination of um, how many losses you can have and how many wins the team that you're trying to catch can have for you to make the playoffs. So I'll give an easy example here. Then that Washington Nationals in order to make a wild card spot, their elimination numbers too. So that means that if San Diego loses two wins two games, or Washington loses two games, or combination of those events creates two, they're out mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And that's a really simple answer because the Nationals aren't making the playoffs. There's literally literally no way in heck that they're gonna do that. Because they would have to literally win out every single game and the Padres would have to lose every single game. And I think probably some other crazy BS would have to happen as well. That's kind of how it works. So the smaller your elimination number is the worse off you are. Of course, at the end of the season, the numbers are just going to get smaller automatically because there's less games, but yeah. Um, so every team still was technically in it. The Nationals, the A's, the Pirates, they could all do it. If you ran a simulation through a computer 10,000 times, like, uh, Pirates GM Neil Huntington did to create create uh, the catastrophe of a franchise that is the Pirates of the early 2020s. You could you could maybe make it happen, but in real life, let, let's be realistic here. 
So what we're looking at, um, the uh, Astros at this point have clearly established themselves as the best team in the American League, given their hot streak or hot streak. I don't know. It's not been a hot streak. It's just been solid, consistent winning. They're just they're winning. They haven't won like 10 games in a row. They're just taking they're coming in. They're taking two out of three at most series, except when they're playing the Orioles. And it's just it's working out. The Yankees, um, given their recent struggles, they have actually become they've they're running the risk of losing their uh their Amer- AL East title at this point. Toronto and Tampa Bay are way closer than we would have thought. And then somehow Cleveland, despite having a barely 500 record, is winning the AL Central. And the Twins keep shooting themselves in the foot and I cannot stand it if it wasn't for uh Duran you're on Duran, we would be absolutely screwed. And the wild card, it's still Tampa Bay, Seattle, and Toronto, but they're all really close together. Tampa Bay is a game above Toronto, and Seattle is a half game behind Tampa Bay and a half game above Toronto. So all really sandwiched in there. And then there is a little bit of a gap. Baltimore, given their recent three-game skid and Toronto's five-game winning streak, are four and a half games back now. The Twins are six and a half games back of the wild card, and the White Sox are seven and a half games back. So... Honestly, for the Twins and the White Sox, if they want to make the playoffs, they're going to have to beat Cleveland. And if you lose that AL Central lead, you're probably not making the playoffs at this point. And I hate to say it, but, I mean, it is realistic. Baltimore is probably, I don't know, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this because they just keep proving everyone wrong all the time, but they're probably not going to make it. I just think that Tampa Bay and Toronto have finally found their groove and the Yankees aren't going to collapse that hard. Or or maybe I don't, man, that would be hysterical. But that's not happening. But anyway, so yeah, it's gonna be tough for Baltimore. Um, you know, if they were playing in the American League Central, they would be in a perfect position. But alas, but hey, at least at least they can still hang on and finish better than Boston. And man, that'd be really tough for Boston to live down. So then, as that stands, that would be uh, Yankees and Astros get the bye. Cleveland plays Toronto in a three-game set in Cleveland. So all you have to do is walk out um, Tristan McKenzie and Zach, not Zach Plesak, uh Shane Bieber. <laughs> um, you, I mean, you could throw out Plesak if you were desperate. But yeah, Cleveland's got the starting pitching to make it happen, but Toronto does too. I mean, ooh, I'm kind of getting excited just thinking about that. Uh, McKenzie versus Manoa or a Bieber versus Gossman playoff game, that would be fun. Um, yeah, Cal Quantrill would be kind of their third option, I guess, for game three. But yeah, that's the thing with Cleveland. They'd have to rely on the one-two punch of Bieber and McKenzie to really, like, make sure they make it. If they can't win it, that's going to be kind of tough. But the good news is for them is that Toronto doesn't exactly have the deepest rotation themselves. So it's not like it'd be the end of the world. Manoa Gossman... Stripling, but then Berrios and Kikuchi. I mean, if the if you know you still got to start these guys in the end of the regular season too, so maybe things don't happen. You need to start Gossman one sixty two to make sure you make the playoffs. And then suddenly you're stuck throwing Berrios or Kikuchi out there for a playoff game, which I mean we know they have the potential to do really well, but they just haven't shown it this year. So that could be that would be a fun series. And then Tampa Bay Toronto or no Tampa Bay Seattle. In Seattle, like I said, they can throw out Logan Gilbert, Luis Castillo, Marco Gonzalez, uh, George Kirby. I mean, 
they truly have an amazing rotation. I mean, Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray. I mean, they can start. They could put out Robbie Ray or Luis Castillo to win a game 162 and still be completely fine. They, I mean, when your worst pitcher is Marco Gonzalez, that's that's incredible. I will happily take that rotation any day. It's maybe not the most, like, you may not have, like, that Justin Verlander as your ace, but you have five starters who you can give any one of them the ball and be confident that they're, they're going to shove and do well for you. Tampa, on the other hand, they have to play kind of the bullpen matchup game, especially with McClanahan being injured. Hopefully he's back in time for the playoffs because without him, that's really tough because, let's face it, McClanahan's really the only traditional starter they have beyond Corey Kluber, who's kind of just isn't the same at this point. I mean, Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Yarbrough, and Jalen Beeks aren't really going to give you innings. Uh, so it'll be different. Very interesting matchup. You got Seattle and you've got Tampa Bay. That's gonna that would be a fun playoff series to watch. And then of course, um Yeah, and then of course when you you those two winners are gonna play the two um Teams that are definitely the undisputed favorites in the American League, which are the Yankees and the Astros, because the Yankees can flip a switch and get right back to how they were at any moment. They have the potential and they have the uh, intimidation factor as well of just being the Yankees. And then looking at the National League here, we've got these wildcard series here. We're going to have as of right now. Um, so we have the Dodgers and the Mets comfortably taking the two buys and then St. Louis winning the NL Central and being the third division winner, although they are definitely a respectable playoff contender at 79-56. And then they would play the San Diego Padres in a series in St. Louis, which would be fun to watch. Very tough for the Padres playing in St. Louis in Bush Stadium for all those games. And then Atlanta would play a series at home against Philadelphia. I mean, if we're going to be honest here, I think on paper, Actually, on paper, Philadelphia should be better than they are. But just looking at it, my gut tells me, I mean, Atlanta's up in a tier with uh, the Mets and the Dodgers as the elite of the National League. They just happen to be trying to catch the Mets, and they could. They are half a game back as of this point, as of this recording. So it is a very real possibility. And, um, yeah, whoever Philadelphia or San Diego, whichever team I'm going to say gets stuck playing them, is going to have definitely have their hands full. I mean, Atlanta can throw come out come at you with Max Fried or Kyle Wright or even Charlie Morton or uh or Spencer Strider. Who could forget Spencer Strider who's been absolutely incredible this year. I was watching a video by um um shoot, was it Jolly I'm forgetting. I'm drawing a blank here. This is embarrassing. Um was it Jolly Olive or Base or Sports Storm? I can't I think it was Sports Storm on YouTube, so I'm pretty sure. Sorry, Jolly, if it's not you, but um, you might want to check it out because he talks about how the Padres or the Braves, excuse me, can have really built a recipe for success for now and in the future and just how they're and one of the things he talks about is how they were willing to take chances on players like Spencer Strider, who had a lot of question marks coming out of college and into the, into the draft and have turned into absolutely elite arms. So, yeah, I mean, if you have a three game set and you have Freed, Wright, and Strider pitching. That's not, I mean, you really only need two of them. That's probably game over for the Phillies who just don't have the pitching uh, cojones right now with um, 
uh, Wheeler out, especially to kind of match up with that. Maybe their lineup can, maybe Harper will can fire them up and get them going. But I tend to feel like that pitching tends to rule in October because it's a little colder. Um, and it's definitely a pitcher's game in the playoffs. And even if, I mean, game 162, maybe they're trying to catch the Mets. You put out free to right or Strider, but you still have two of them to pitch in that series. Plus Charlie Morton, who, while he's a old guy, he can, he can still shove and he could still be clutch when he needs to be. And yeah, um, Jacob Arizzi too. He's around. I mean, maybe not your preferred option for pitching in the playoffs, but he can eat some innings. And then for the, uh, I mean the pot. I mean, and the uh, Padres can respond, or no, the the Phillies. Excuse me, the Phillies can respond with uh, Aaron Nola and with the bats and with a little bit of Ranger Suarez and Kyle Gibson. Uh, as a Twins Twins fan, saying Kyle Gibson has inspired Tom confidence. If Wheeler can get back, that'd be nice. Losing a uh, Dominguez and Nabel to injury also really stinks because it really weakens their bullpen, which has been not a complete liability, but it's not been a strength either. Also, no, Noah Syndergaard hasn't looked super great since joining the Phillies. He only has a 4.63 ARA, averaging less than six innings per start. On the uh, Cardinals side, Cardinals-Padres side of things, the Padres can definitely run with the Cardinals, especially in terms of pitching and as well as the revamp lineup with Soto and Bell. I mean, throw out a Musgrove and a, uh, Clevenger and a Snell re- revitalized Blake Snell and a U Darvish. Manaya has been really struggling recently, but you can maybe demote him to the bullpen as an innings eater for the playoffs if necessary, but you can make you can, they can make it work. And the Cardinals definitely don't have the greatest starting rotation. I mean, seeing Wayno in the playoffs one more time is going to be great. Maybe we'll see some more vintage magic from him. Uh, Mikolas is solid. Um, Quintana's been a good pickup. Jordan Montgomery's actually been pretty solid since he joined. St. Louis is a 1.47 ERA, FIP of 2.29, so it's definitely not fluky per se. Jack Flaherty, if they can get him back, though, at full strength, which I kind of doubt, but if they could, it that could be a real boost to the Cardinals. And I would not sleep on the Cardinals. I mean, even though the Mets, Braves, and uh, Dodgers are kind of the elite of the National League, the Cardinals are... They, they watch out. I mean, you know, it's the Cardinal way. They're just, they're clutch. They know how to win. They have great tradition and they have guys like Pujols and Molina and uh, Wainwright who have been there before, have won rings, as well as some superstars like Goldschmidt and Arenado who are tasting consistent playoff contention for the first time in their careers. So, I mean, this Cardinals team, I would definitely not be sleeping on them just because they're the third division winner. The uh, National League Central has produced a really good playoff contender. And then in terms of kind of on the outside looking in, the only team that I really still think is in playoff contention on the outside is the Brewers. They're two games out of a wild card spot as well as how far are they out in the division now? They, It's not that the Brewers have been bashes. The Carls have been so good and the Brewers have just been mediocre. They're seven and a half games out of the division. So catching the Cardinals is going to be tough, but they can definitely, if if uh, San Diego or Philadelphia starts to slip, Milwaukee can definitely swoop in there. You know, that pitching staff has been struggling with injuries and a little bit of ineffectiveness, but if it all starts clicking again, and you've got Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Eric Lauer and Freddy Peralta all firing on all cylinders, it's going to be really hard to hit off of them. And I mean, 
that lineup, it's a little one-dimensional. They just hit homers, kind of. They don't really hit for average. Uh, Yelich has turned into this on-base guy who really doesn't scare you at the plate, although he had, he keeps showing signs of life, and then he just gets cold again. But everyone in that lineup is about an average bat at worst. I mean, the worst bat is probably Victor Caratini that's playing every day, or maybe you, um, Luis Urias. Um, but yeah, you got Keston Hira, Rowdy Telez, Willie Adamez, Colton Wong, Jace Pearson. Yelich is above average at the plate, just not kind of what you're hoping to see. He did hit the longest home run of the season just now. 499 feet. It was in Coors Field, but I just the video he just got all. And maybe this is just that maybe this is just that pin a moment of just frustration is just mounted and he just exploded and just destroyed a ball and now he's gonna suddenly turn back into 2019 Christian Yelich. I was watching him play the Cubs. Um, I guess uh, well, what what weekend was this? This was about um, not this past weekend, but the last weekend of August. So that three game series against the Cubs, he went eight for fourteen with two home runs and five RBIs, and suddenly it was like vintage Christian Yelich just destroying the Cubs. And I was starting to think, oh, he's back. But since then, he's been. Coming into tonight, he was one for his last uh, 13. So, yeah, just really inconsistent, and I still wish that he was back to the way he was. But, you know, if he turns it around here, Milwaukee could definitely catch a San Diego. And, man, after all the hype of getting Juan Soto, San Diego misses the playoffs again. There's going to be uh, there's going to be issues. And if Philly makes the playoffs, there's also going to be issues. So the two teams that are fighting for their playoff lives right now in the National League really can't afford to miss out. And the Brewers can't afford to miss out at this point either. Like, they got to keep this. This is the best they've been in franchise history. They got to keep this window open. So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a look at what we're looking at in the playoff race at this point. Um, sorry if you're, I mean... Sorry if your team is either out of it or frustrating the living crap out of you like the Twins are for me. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to get really exciting, and I'm going to be on top of it and uh, making sure that I bring as much information to you guys as I can as we uh, progress through September. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. You guys can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and many other podcasting platforms all across the internet. Make sure you give it a five-star review or follow it or do whatever you got to do to make sure it shows up in your feed. Um, keep on the lookout for another episode. It won't take three weeks from now, but it'll be out very soon. So until then, I will see you later.